from South Carolina Public Radio, this is the South Carolina Lead. I'm your host, Gavin Jackson, and this episode was recorded on January 12th, 2024 from Des Moines, Iowa. In a blizzard warning, that's right folks, I'm inside though. And we are on the trail in Iowa, leading up to caucus day on January 15th. We look at the big moments from the week as Republican presidential candidates make their final pitches to Iowans. There were televised cable news town halls, one last debate with Nikki Haley and Ron DeSantis, tightening polls, former New Jersey Governor Chris Christie dropped out. Oh! Shocking. Former President Donald Trump appeared before a panel in a Washington courtroom, and in between all of that were the snowy, freezing moments that make campaigning in Iowa the closest thing to hell on earth. Helen, Helena Washington. <laughs> now, just a programming note, folks. We will drop Tuesday's podcast a bit later. It is the day after caucus day, after all. And if y'all are dying to hear me, though, before that, I will be on morning edition around 6, 10 a.m. Eastern, which is 5, 10 a.m. Eastern here. And I'll be up before that. Uh, so listen to me there. It's going to be brutal, obviously. But also, we want you to go to SouthCarolinaPublicRadio.org and give us some lead feedback because we have a survey. It's super easy, and we would love to hear from y'all. It's SouthCarolinaPublicRadio.org slash lead survey. Wow. Yes. It's even easier than calling our voicemail at 803-563-7169. We want to hear you there, too. It's the new year. We got the whole campaign trail ramping up with South Carolina in the targets. And uh, we're coming for you guys, just so you know, after New Hampshire, after Iowa. But we want to hear you. We want to know what's going on in your world, 803-563-7169. And you can always find out more about the South Carolina primary, the latest news from the trail, and more at SouthCarolinaPublicRadio.org and SCETV.org slash SC2024. Your home for campaign 2024 coverage. As a small aside before we get into this, a confluence of storms moving across the country made for a splendid Tuesday travel day for me with snow moving across the Great Plains covering Iowa and rain and storms and wind in the south that came up to South Carolina just in time for my flights to Des Moines. Yes, we did some juggling, some prayers, but enough about my trials and tribulations. We made it here. We'll talk more in the wind down. And I also want to remind you that I know the legislative session kicked off this past Tuesday, but we got you covered in our last pod. So look at that if you want to know what's going on under the State House Dome this year. Now to here, right now, right here, Iowa, folks. All eyes are on this Midwestern state. And let's take a look at the week in order, right? Start easy, chronological, keep it up. Monday night, that's where we saw Nikki Haley participate in a Fox News town hall. And then Florida Governor Ron DeSantis held another town hall on Tuesday night as well. Also on Monday night, former President Donald Trump, in an interview, said he hopes the economy crashes during the next 12 months. When there's a crash, I hope it's going to be during this next 12 months. Because I don't want to be Herbert Hoover. The one president, I just don't want to be Herbert Hoover. The Biden team had multiple layup responses to this, including White House Deputy Press Secretary Andrew Bates, who said, quote, A commander in chief's duty is to always put the American people first. 
never to hope that hardworking families suffer economic pain for their own political benefit, quote. Keeping with Trump on Tuesday, he was, voluntarily, at the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals, where the case brought by special counsel Jack Smith over Trump's attempt to subvert the 2020 election was before a three-judge panel deciding whether it can go forward to trial on March 4th. Though it's looking like that will be delayed over the claims that Trump's lawyer John Sauer made involving presidential immunity. Here is part of the hour-long hearing in a hypothetical scenario dealing with presidential immunity and a president ordering the assassination of his political rival and also selling national secrets and pardons. You'll hear Judge Florence Pan and John Sauer here. Could a president order SEAL Team 6 to assassinate a political rival? That's an official act in order to SEAL Team 6? He, he would have to be and would speedily be, you know, uh, uh, impeached and convicted before the criminal what prosecution. If you what if proceed? you weren't? There would be no criminal prosecution, no criminal liability for that. Chief Justice's opinion in Marbury against Madison and uh, uh, and our constitutional tradition and the plain language of the impeachment judgment clause all clearly presuppose that what the founders were concerned about was not. I asked you a yes or yes or no question. Could a president who ordered SEAL Team Six to assassinate a political rival who was not impeached would he be subject to criminal prosecution? If he were impeached and convicted first, and so, so, so your answer is. Is, no. is, my answer is qualified, yes. There is a political process that would have to occur under our, the structure of our Constitution, which would require impeachment and conviction by the Senate. In these exceptional cases, as the OLC memo itself points out from the Department of Justice, you'd expect a speedy impeachment and conviction. But what the founders were much more worried about than using criminal prosecution to discipline presidents was what uh, James Madison calls in Federalist Number 47, the, you know, the, the newfangled and artificial treasons. They were much more concerned about the abuse of the criminal process for political purposes to disable the presidency from factions and political opponents. And of course, that's exactly what we see in this case. I've, I've asked you a, a series of hypotheticals about criminal actions that could be taken by a president and could be considered official acts. And I've asked you, would such a president be subject to criminal prosecution if he's not impeached or convicted? And your answer, your yes or no answer is no. I, I believe I said qualified yes if he's impeached and convicted first. Uh, we so may my be saying question the same was, thing. okay, so he's not impeached or conviction, been convicted. Let's put that aside. You're saying a president could sell pardons, could sell military secrets, could order SEAL Team 6 to assassinate a, a political rival. Sale of military secrets strikes me as something that might not be held to be an official act. The sale of pardons is something that's come up historically okay. and was not prosecuted. But your brief so, says that communicating with an executive branch agency is an official act. And communicating with a foreign government is an official act. That's what presidents do. Trump's attorney, Sauer, was before the panel, which included Judge Karen Henderson, a South Carolinian appointed by George H.W. Bush, as well as two Biden appointees, Florence Pan, who you just heard from, and Michelle Childs. Yes, that Michelle Childs, the former federal judge based here in Columbia, who was on Biden's shortlist to replace retiring Supreme Court Justice Stephen Breyer which Justice Ketanji Brown-Jackson picked up last June. Now, Judge Childs noted during this hearing that a president could resign rather than face impeachment, something that under the legal theory of Trump's attorneys would allow them to dodge further prosecution. So one of many interesting legal theories at work here. And again, this is a preview of how Trump's legal troubles are intertwined with the Republican nominating process. He wasn't in Iowa, he was in D.C. in court, folks. But as we've noted, he still remains strong in polls. 
and has been able to fundraise off of all four indictments and 91 criminal charges lodged against him. However, in New Hampshire, things are getting much closer between him and Haley. We did mention the millions of dollars spent in attack ads, a barrage of emails and social media posts hitting her on a variety of issues, including her American citizenship, Birther 2.0. Now, if you skipped our Trump 2016 episode, I'd recommend you check it out. There's a lot there that's still salient today. But late Wednesday afternoon, a major campaign 2024 bomb exploded and shocked the race. Longshot candidate, former New Jersey Governor Chris Christie. Oh, how you doing? Who was the only candidate repeatedly and forcefully attacking Trump while betting it all on New Hampshire, where he has had no real traction outside of a distant third, announced that he was dropping out of the race. Wow. Stunned is the only way to describe it. Again, not registering in polls, really. Primarily only campaigning in New Hampshire. Remember, he only visited South Carolina twice one of which I was at, and there were some 100 people mainly there just to see the novelty of it all. But here was Christie at his announcement in Wyndham, New Hampshire on Wednesday. My goal has never been to be just a voice against the hate and the division and the selfishness of what our party has become under Donald Trump. It's also been to win the nomination and defeat Joe Biden and restore our party and our country to a new place of hope and optimism in this country. I've always said that if there came a point in time in this race where I couldn't see a path to accomplishing that goal, that I would get out. And it's clear to me tonight that there isn't a path for me to win the nomination, which is why I'm suspending my campaign tonight for President of the United States. I know, and I can see it from some of the faces here, that I'm disappointing some people by doing this. People who believe in our message and believe in what we've been doing. I also know, though, it's the right thing for me to do. Because I want to promise you this. I am going to make sure that in no way do I enable Donald Trump to ever be president of the United States again. Christie was also caught on a hot mic before the event and said Haley wasn't up to the challenge of this campaign, despite her still being in the race and in second place in the polls. Like that? Yeah, that's gonna, what you get. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, look, she spent 68 million so far, just on TV. Spent 68 million so far, 59 million by DeSantis, and we spent 12. I mean, who's punching above their weight and who's getting a return on their investment, you know? And she's going to get smoked. And you and I both know it. She's not up to this. She hasn't even She's still 20 points behind Trump in New Hampshire, right? Yeah. And, oh, yeah. And he's, gonna, he's still going to carry out, right? Yes. Always. I, t- you know, I talked to De- DeSantis called me, petrified that I would. He's probably getting out of half of Iowa. Well, Skirt. That was some straight talk express 3.0 Christie version I just heard, I think. Now, in a statement, Haley said, quote, Chris Christie has been a friend for many years. I commend him on a hard fought campaign. Voters have a clear choice in this election, the chaos and drama of the past, or a new generation of conservative leadership. I will fight to earn every vote, so together we can build a strong and proud America, quote. 
Again, this absolute bombshell that didn't shake up the race in any meaningful way, besides likely giving Haley his supporters in New Hampshire two weeks to the primary, but it came shortly before Haley and DeSantis faced off Wednesday in the CNN debate from Drake University right here in Des Moines, Iowa. No, it's not named after the rapper, guys. It's Drake University. It was also moderated by Jake Tappa and Dana Bash. And the fireworks were flying like the 4th of July, folks, right? It might be snowing out there, but it was fireworks and 4th of July in there. But from the get-go, DeSantis and Haley were attacking each other, and that didn't let up much throughout the two-hour-long debate. Here's a question from Tappa early in the debate. Governor Christie dropped out of the race just a few hours ago. He said the most important issue is, quote, the character of the candidate. Uh, Governor Christie also said he ran because he knew he would be the only Republican candidate to speak the truth about former President Donald Trump. Do you believe Donald Trump has the character to be president again? Well, I think the next president needs to have moral clarity. I think you need to have moral clarity to understand that it's taxpayer money, not your own money. I think you need to have moral clarity to understand that when you're dealing with dictators in the world, that we always have to fight for democracies and human rights and protecting Americans and preventing war. And so when you look at Donald Trump, I have said, I think he was the right president at the right time. I agree with a lot of his policies, but his way is not my way. I don't have vengeance. I don't have vendettas. I don't take things personally. For me, it's very much about no drama, no whining, and getting results and getting them done. So I don't think that President Trump is the right president to go forward. I think it's time for a new generational leader that's going to go and make America proud again. That's what I'm going to try and do. Governor DeSantis, what is your response to Chris Christie? Do you believe Donald Trump has the character to be president again? Well, I'm running because I'm the guy that's going to be able to engineer a comeback for this country. I appreciated what President Trump did, but let's just be honest. He said he was going to build a wall and have Mexico pay for it. He did not deliver that. He said he was going to drain the swamp. He did not deliver that. He said he was going to hold Hillary accountable, and he let her, let her off the hook. He said he was going to eliminate the debt, and he added $7.8 trillion to the debt. So we need to deliver and get this stuff done. And I think the difference between uh, Nikki Haley and me, you know, I listened to all that litany of stuff. You know, I debated the governor of California, Gavin Newsom. Um, you know, I thought he lied a lot. Uh, man, Nikki Haley may, gives him a run for his money, and she may even be more liberal than Gavin Newsom is. We are in a situation here in Florida— uh, in, as Republicans, you need somebody that is going to be in there and fight for you. And Nikki Haley, anytime the going gets tough, anytime people come down, she caves. When you need someone standing and fight for you, don't look for Nikki Haley. You won't be able to find her if you had a search warrant. Thank you, Governor. Governor Haley. Look, I think I dealt with Russia, China, Iran, North Korea every day. No one ever said I caved. I defended America and I fought for America. But I'll also say this. This is not a time where you have to have pettiness. I wish Donald Trump was up here on this stage. He's the one that I'm running against. He's the one that I wish would be here. He needs to be defending his record. Right now, he's not defending the fact that he allowed us to have $8 trillion in debt over four years that our kids are never going to forgive us for. The fact that he didn't deal with China when it came to stealing intellectual property. The fact that they gave us COVID. The fact that they've gone and continued to put up Chinese police stations and continue to threaten our military. He didn't do enough to make sure that we were really standing with our friends and doing some other things. Now for a little tangle over foreign policy. 
We don't have enough resources being $35 trillion in debt to continue doing hundreds of billions of dollars. We got to focus on our issues here at home and we've got to deal with the top threat that we face, which is China. And then I wonder why you raised the debt when you were in Congress, because we're all paying for that. What I will tell you is this is the lie they're telling the American people over and over again. It is so wrong to say this. They're saying you have to choose between Ukraine or Israel or Israel and and securing the border. Supporting Ukraine is three and a half percent of our budget. I don't want cash going. It's equipment and it's ammunition. If we support Ukraine and Israel, that's only five percent of our defense budget. So you're going to borrow that? If we support Ukraine, Israel, and secure the border, that's less than 20% of Biden's green subsidies. You do not have to choose when it comes to national security. This is about keeping Americans safe. This is about preventing war. This is about keeping our military men and women from having to fight a war. And you only do that when you focus on national security, not telling lies to the American people that they have to choose. That is wrong. That's never been the case. So here's the the problem with what she's saying. She, she doesn't articulate how this comes to an end, except she was asked uh, after the last debate uh, by, I believe, Megyn Kelly, and she said, you bring it to an end by bringing Ukraine into NATO. But of course, we're a NATO country, so if you bring Ukraine into NATO, that puts the United States at war. Megyn said that to her, and then she basically gave a word salad uh, as to how you go from there. So they have sent cash. Uh, she supports this $106 billion that they're trying to get through Congress. Where's some of that money going? They've done tens of billions of dollars to pay salaries for Ukrainian government bureaucrats. They've paid pensions for Ukrainian retirees with your tax dollars. We've got homeless veterans. We have all these problems. This is the UN way of thinking that we're somehow globalists and we have unlimited resources to do. You know, I think here's the problem. You can take the ambassador out of the United Nations, but you can't take the United Nations out of the ambassador. The debate also looked at a variety of other topics, including the role of government and business, including when it came to DeSantis's hardline against Disney in Florida, as well as how he has managed his campaign and Nikki Haley's stance on school choice and her inability to get it passed when she was governor. That word salad is the problem. Governor DeSantis. She says she's always supported school choice and she failed to deliver. She blames other people. Leadership is about getting things done. Stop making excuses. Make it happen. If leadership's about getting things done, how did you blow through $150 million in your campaign and you were down in the polls? So here, here's you are I not think a this manager. No, I, now I'm going to say. I think it's very instructive no, about what Nick, how Nikki this, Haley sees the world. It, she I think I have the floor. Political Governor, Governor advertisement Governor DeSantis, like that's Governor, as important Governor as the DeSantis, kids Governor Haley has the floor. What is more important here? She's saying Governor somehow DeSantis, that that's it's not Governor as important. Haley's, it's, Haley, it's Governor Haley's time. Go ahead. I think I hit a nerve. Um, What I will tell you is, look, if you can't manage a campaign, it's been a revolving door of political people in and out of his campaign. You've heard of campaign people going to blows with each other because they can't all agree. $150 million, and he spent more on private planes than commercials. I I flew commercial. I stayed in residence inns. We went and saved our money. We made sure we spent it right because you have to understand it's not your money. It's other people's money, and you have to know how to handle it. 
it. If he can't right. handle the financial parts of a campaign, how's he going to handle the economy when it comes to the White House? And he goes That's and he's demean. He has been demeaning me over and over again, telling lies to SantaSlies.com because he thinks it makes him look bigger. But in the one basic thing, you've campaigned for president in one state. You're invisible in New Hampshire. You're invisible in South Carolina. You're in fifth place. You've only you've got 150 million dollars and you've gone down in the polls in Iowa. Why should we think you can manage or do anything in this country? Thank you. Like always, there was so much more to cover there, but I had to cap it there. So y'all got a little bit of a gist of the vibe. But I promise you, you get the picture, right? Yes. Now you heard Haley name drop that website and she did it about 13 times and warned the students at Drake University not to turn it into a drinking game. A throwaway joke, but one woman I heard from while shoveling her driveway on Friday, well, she didn't find it funny. Oh, no! And we'll have a lot of my reporting from events and door knocking as well during a blizzard, as well as the caucus itself in Tuesday's pod, folks. So stay tuned for that. Now we pivot to Trump, who also qualified for the debate, but once again decided not to attend. Instead, he participated in a town hall with Fox News' Martha McCollum and Brett Baer. Here are some clips. Can you say tonight that political violence is never acceptable? Well, of course that's right. And of course, I'm the one that had very little of it. Take a look at wars. Again, I didn't start. I wasn't involved in wars. We beat the hell out of ISIS. We won 100%. We brought our troops back home. Look at, look at the violence that we've had. Look at the violence we have recently. There are questions about how much a second term of a Donald Trump presidency, second term, would be about retribution and looking backwards and grievances and how much would be looking forward. I'm not going to have time for retribution. We're going to make this country so successful again. I'm not going to have time. Here's Trump talking about Florida Governor Ron DeSantis and also his earlier remarks about a stock market crash. DeSantis, I don't know what he really believes because, you know, you never know with a politician and he's just another politician as far as I'm concerned. But uh, his poll numbers have gone down to a level that he's going to be out of the race very soon. He's going to be out very soon. You know, I watched him last night. He's standing up with his shoes, his fancy shoes. You like Ron DeSantis, but he wouldn't even be around today. He'd be working in a pizza shop or perhaps a law firm if I didn't endorse him. You know, I endorsed him, took him from nothing to winning an election. If I didn't win, I think the stock market would crash. Yeah, I but you said the when stock- there's a crash, I hope it's going to be during this next 12 months because I don't want to be Herbert Hoover. Well, I Just think there clear. will be a crash if I don't win. And I say that, and I do not want to be Herbert Hoover. Trump did say the stock market would crash if he didn't win in 2020. And that has not happened. In fact, just the opposite. Here he is talking about his approach to global security. You know, there's a great leader, in my opinion, is very strong. Some people say it's terrible to say that, but he is. Viktor Orban, he's the prime minister of Hungary. And they asked him, what would you do? There are wars all over the world right now. He said, what I do is make sure the American people vote for Donald Trump for president because when he was president, China feared him. I don't want to be feared, but he used the term. I'm not using the term. President Xi's a very tough cookie, but I think they did fear us. China feared him, Russia feared him, everybody. I even got along with Kim Jong-un, you know, getting along with people with hundreds of nuclear weapons, it's not a bad thing. You know, they want to make it like a bad thing. It's a very good thing. But peace through strength. They didn't want to mess around. It would have never happened in Ukraine. Russia would have never gone in. Would have never happened. The recent attack on Israel would have never happened. And again, a lot more to that town hall too, but we only have so much time. And I will be going to a Trump event, a Trump rally in Sioux City, Iowa on Saturday. 
and that will be in Tuesday's podcast as well. So stay tuned, folks. Uh, big Tuesday, big. T- it's I, I cannot technically call it Super Tuesday because that's not till March, but it's gonna be super. I promise you. Now, on the way out, I want to give y'all one last Iowa poll before the caucuses on Monday. One last little taste, one last little vibe check, so you know what to expect on Monday. Possibly, who knows? But, no shocker here, Donald Trump still maintains his lead, as he has since the entirety of this campaign. But Nikki Haley topped Ron DeSantis 20 points to 13 in the latest Suffolk University poll of 500 likely Iowa Republican caucus voters. Haley bumped up slightly with Chris Christie out of the race, but she's still 34 points behind Trump. Now, this poll has pushed Haley into second based on an average of polls from RealClearPolitics.com. Still, again, a distant second to Trump and a narrow lead over DeSantis. Is this how it will shake out on Monday at 7 o'clock at caucus sites around the state? Who knows? I can't tell you that. It's going to be in the negative teens when it comes to the temperature outside, I can tell you that for sure, and that will definitely impact Iowans who may be on the fence to caucus in the first place. We will be out there. We will bring you all that coverage a bit later on Tuesday, so stay tuned, folks. Stay tuned. Welcome to the wind down section, folks. I've been looking to this all week. I've been looking forward to talking to A.T. Shire, folks, our producer. He keeps me grounded during these difficult times when I'm traveling. Thank you so much, A.T. Thanks for having uh, me here. No problem. I'm glad that I could be there to, so I could be the grass that you're touching. You know what I mean? <laughs> Please. The worst part is I can't ground myself out here because everything's covered <laughs> all the in snow. snow. <laughs> all the snow. There can't, there's no grounding. <laughs> While there is no grounding, Gavin, I, I I have heard that you've you've turned the riz up to a hundred. I think yeah? that's correct. I think I'm doing yeah. that. I'm uh, no cap. You're rizzing out everyone. You're using your your East Coast Standard Time riz on these uh, Iowan haters, right? Bet, bet, bet. I have been bet, so bet, jet lagged as I always am when I come to Iowa. That hour difference yes. really just it just gets me. I, uh, that's the only place that we are elitist. We'll say it again for every. If, if this is your first episode listening, the only kink that we shame is Central. anyone not on East Coast Standard Time. That's so, our yeah. just, ride or die right there. <laughs> like if that is lead law, I, we will die by that. Looking forward to going to New Hampshire so I can be on East Coast Time for sure. It'll count <laughs> anyway, Gavin, let's get let's go over the nightmare that is yeah. your uh, travel to Iowa. Yeah, so uh, you guys know we had that big storm system move through the country on Monday, Tuesday. I talked about it at the top of the whole politics section there. But to elaborate a little bit more and hopefully not to bore you too much, uh, I was supposed to fly out to Des Moines Tuesday morning early, 11 early flight. Get out of it. Do all that stuff. That's best. Early, project. early, too. Love like that. a, yeah, a like gross time. out of Columbia, right? Which is always and a little just bit of a, Just clarification, Des Moines is spelled Des Moines. Des Moines, right? yes. The, okay, the French yes, for Des Moines. <laughs> Keep going. <laughs> As a postcard at Raygun said. Uh, but so I'm like, yeah, I'm going to do it. But the night before, obviously, that storm system was hitting the south, particularly in um, Texas. And I was connecting in Dallas-Fort Worth. So I was like, great. Yeah. So I noticed that my flight was not leaving. The the inbound flight, that would be my flight the next day, was not leaving. So I was like, great, this is not going to work. So I woke up at 4 on Tuesday, and I called Ugh. American. Ugh. And I was like, okay, Ugh. let's let's rebook this. Let's call a spade a spade. Can I fly out of Charlotte? You know, hour and a half, yeah. no big deal. Drive up there, easy peasy, direct to Des Moines. And yes. uh, 
So I was like, great, I'll get direct. I'll get out of there before this storm hits and hopefully things are okay out here. But of course the runways were shut down. I got on this 11 a.m. flight, which got delayed until four and then got canceled. I immediately mm. rebooked. I have been living in the Charlotte airport now for some 13 hours at this point before I actually Ugh. get on the plane at eight o'clock. We don't take off till 10 because they were waiting for folks to connect. I didn't land in Des Moines until like 11.15, so 12.15 East Coast time. Basically running on like, you know, 24 hours right there. But it was fine. I was so jazzed up that I was like, just get me there. I know you were telling me I was going to be canceled, and I was like... I did, yeah. I, I'm like, that's not going to can't happen. I was talking happen. about like culturally, though. Yes, of course. <laughs> we got to end cancel culture because I couldn't get on that flight. But really, like, it was a last-minute thing. I was sitting in the terminal, the, the gate area, and there was this poor family across from me, this beautiful, cute little Iowan family, you know, teenagers, mom and dad. And they mm. told me that they had been stuck there. They got bumped the day before coming back from Orlando, and then they were like really pinning their hopes on this flight. And then they they all got canceled with everyone else. But I, we we're all like looking at the text messages as the delay happens in real time. So I immediately mm -hmm. go on the app, rebook the 815 flight uh, because there's like three seats left. It was a full flight, too. So I barely got out here by the skin of my teeth. Uh, and now with the blizzard going on right now, a lot of folks aren't able to get out here uh, ahead of the caucuses, including some folks from South Carolina, like Senator Tom Davis and some other reps who are going to be out here during sur Ugh. doing surrogate work for Nikki Haley. Tom Davis said on his Twitter that he is going to be driving from Charlotte to Tom, Des Moines. No, he's like, uh, no. he wants to be out here for the caucuses so bad. So uh, they're, they're it, craving the negative degrees, the negative teens. Gross. That yeah. I mean, that's reason enough to not live there. You know yeah, what I mean? So then, and then like you're juggling like, okay, so I got a car rental and my hotel, like is everything going to still be there? And I got here and they mm -hmm. didn't have an SUV, but they had a Volvo S60 all-wheel drive, which has been my my battle axe. I mean, that thing has been yes. a lot of fun to drive in these conditions. Better than a cyber truck. You know what I mean? You're, you're cutting <laughs> yeah. through the snow like a, like a Swedish knife. <laughs> <laughs> I've, the funny thing is about driving a Volvo, only, only music you get, Ace of Bass and oh, uh, ABBA. ABBA. Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, it's, it's brutal. So I, I'm, I'm okay with that, but it's been a, it's so been a joy. It, internally, you're seeing the sign like... Yes, um, don't turn you know, around. Like, all exactly. that she wants is another baby. Yeah, I mean... Oh, it, no thank you, thank you, thank you. Stop me my if first, you burn it up. <laughs> my first CD. We've probably talked really? about this. Yes, Ace you. of Bass, the sign. Don't turn around. Don't turn yeah. around. Okay, yeah. Uh, but no, it's been fun. Um, it's always fun to be on the road because, oh, I can hear that wind out there. Not because of that, but like you use like all of your senses all the time when you're out here. <laughs> like, I don't know how to explain it, right? Like I am like... The sixth sense is news sense. <laughs> my okay? third eye is like wide open all the time. Oh, Gavin's Gavin's breaking news chakra is so <laughs> wide open. It's crazy. I, he's glowing. I see him over, over the internet. He's glowing. <laughs> like, because you have to be on a swivel. Like... I'm, I'm putting together a podcast. I'm putting together two hits for public radio every day. And then I'm also working mm -hmm. on this week in South Carolina's big show length documentary. So I'm like mm -hmm. always looking for things, always listening and like, what's a different angle? How do I do this? And it's just nonstop wide open from when I wake up to when I go to sleep. And then, mm. you know, I, sh I always need to be doing something like whether that's editing or like scripting, Ugh. it doesn't stop. And it's I just like, th this is the point in the wind down where we reveal to Gavin that this is a big Shutter Island scenario <laughs> and he's just deranged and sick and he's really in my basement. Yeah. Uh, and we're just trying to, this is the last <laughs> chance to break him of his, of his, 
of his problems, and he's he's just not coming out. I, it's I, so I, sad. I love it too much. It's disgusting. It really is. I'm very sorry to everyone that listens I, to this. I and also want to tell you, At, on top of all that stuff that we were talking about, we've been we brought back the lead Instagram SC lead. Oh yeah. Gavin has, we've gone from nothing to uh, a thousand posts a day and we do it all for you. <laughs> it and is so insane. Damien, we do it for you. Is this for you, Damien? I, I mean, we're recording this right now so we can use it on the uh, Instagram, of course. But mm-hmm. the, the I would love to hear from some social media influencers because there's no stopping and enjoying life, which I've always no. known. But when doing it myself, you're like, oh my God, like... How can I do a how can I do an Instagram reel from the airport? Oh, let's do this. Like what can I do here? Like so I'm always doing vertical video, horizontal video, mm-hmm. selfie video. You feel like, that constant pressure that people need it, their oh, pound of flesh that, from and you. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, this is a miserable existence. Like doing yes. journalism is enough, but throw the whole social media aspect and doing that well, woof. It's the opposite of touching grass. Uh, yeah. With that in mind, the last thing I want to say to everyone listening, if you've made it this far, please if made it this go. Far, Take our survey. That will help fix this podcast for the better. We know we're broken. We're sick inside. Uh, South Carolina Public Radio.org slash lead survey. Please go. Anyway, Gavin, stay safe. Stay Thank warm. You. Touch you. all the grass you can. I can. And, I will. And of course, mentally stay in South Carolina. Okay. Bye. Oh, yeah. Right. I'm, I'm always on East Coast time. It's very jarring, but I, I got to <laughs> say keep hi it. to Meg for me uh, and say the outro. Yeah, you can check out that social media post. We got Meg. We ambushed Meg Kennard. It's it's crazy. How much do you pay for rent? <laughs> What's your outfit? How much does your outfit cost? But yeah, I'll just wait till I start doing that stuff. However, folks, yeah, check out the SC Lead Pod Instagram. That's the handle. And you can always show us your appreciation by leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts or a voicemail at 803-563-7169. Call now. Operators are standing by. And you can stay up to date with the latest news on SCETV.org and SouthCarolinaPublicRadio.org. And don't forget to support your local newspapers. For the South Carolina Lead, I'm Gavin Jackson. Be well, South Carolina. Listen, they're telling me I want to be in Cedar Rapids. You're going to want to be in Cedar Rapids. Listen, so we have to talk like this. We have to hold these up like you're that. You're going to want to talk in you, Cedar Rapids this like this. Talk, okay? <laughs> you definitely need to ask everyone about Slipknot.